Welcome to the X29 Southern African Podcast, a podcast born out of a vision seeking to see healthy, reflective, and reconciling churches go on to multiply through church planting within the Southern African context. My name is John Tarop, and I have the privilege of hosting this podcast, which we pray is very much for your benefit and ultimately all for his eternal glory. On this, the seventh and penultimate episode of season two of the podcast, we'll be recapping season two as we look back on the key insights that our guests shared with us over the course of the season. As I mentioned last episode, we've been doing this podcast for going on one year. And so in light of this special milestone, we thought that a great way to celebrate this would be to take a moment and reflect on the year that's gone by in the life of the Acts 29 Southern African podcast. And so... We pray that you'll find the second catch-up episode beneficial as we remind ourselves of the key takeaways shared by our guests in this second season's first five episodes. First, we caught up with Sikle Kulu, a planter who recently launched Renewal Fellowship in Johannesburg East, South Africa. Sikle spoke to us about the importance of doing a residency at another church plant before planting. And I do want to to sort of even give a, a broader vision of, of residencies. Because, I mean, I, you know, thinking about it now, I can see how crucial they are, just sure. like church plant residency, or just residences in, in, in general. Because right. I think what happens is um, most, you know, most guys will, will go to seminary, will go to a Bible college, and you, you finish there, and, and sometimes you're ready to, to go for ministry. Uh, but you don't get a place where you really need to, you know, sit down in terms of just being part of a church, and you you continue to learn. I mean, in 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 you know, in old traditional denominations, yeah, you you, you had that like back right. then, where you had you, you know a student will go and and um, you know study, and then when you come back, you'll have like maybe like two years in in other denominations they call it a curacy, right. where you just literally being part of the staff, you you doing you're picking up chairs. You you yeah. you're just working with everyone with your degree, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's good for you. It's good for you. And, and I think now with you know non-denomination churches, all of that, we some some people have lost that. And I think it's good where churches see the importance of that to say, you know what, you've just got your head full in sure. in, in Bible college or seminary. Now now be part of the church, learn the practicalities. Uh, and I think in terms of church planting, yeah. that even gets more specific because, I mean, seminary is not going to teach you about fundraising. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not going to yeah. teach you about um, your leadership development right. strategy, all of those things. That That's where residency come in, and it's just so crucial. Sure. Then we heard from Mario Manival, the lead pastor of Reformed Faith Mission Community Church in Belleville South, Cape Town, South Africa. Mario also heads up Acts 29's Church in Hard Places cohort in Southern Africa. And so he was able to tell us more about this apprenticeship. Yeah, so Church in Hard Places basically exists to, to support um, pastors that are in a hard place where it's, it's hard to get hold of resources because they're poor areas where it's difficult for them to get hold of any good resources, any good theological training, any good support system, um, anything like that, it's difficult for them to, to, to get a hold of those kind of things. Or even to have the structure, infrastructure to serve their community 
um, being the church there because uh, some of them they can't afford us anything, so they have church in uh, from their homes or wow. church out of a, a makeshift structure, those kind of things. It's difficult for them, and so we're reaching out to those guys, and we have an apprenticeship where we take them through uh, um, biblical theology, we take them through theory stuff, and then practical theology, pastoral stuff. Um, and, and we do it with men that know their context. So it's easier now for, for us to identify with that context because I, I'm here. So I'm able to, 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 to guide and to lead and to, and to have relationships with those guys and, to, and then to connect them with other brothers, can pray for them, can be there for them. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a support structure, theological training for two years. Um, they go through this. Uh, many of them have grown. And so uh, um, s- some of them has come to um, better uh, knowledge of, 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 of doctrine and, um, and, and, you know, reformed theology or, or the doctrines of grace, those kind of things, things yeah. that they never knew because they never got the training for it to understand the scriptures in a certain way. So we try to, 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 to give them that. And, and we've seen the Lord just do tremendous work. Uh, um, I, I'm a product of church in our places also. So um, I, I was first on the apprenticeship because I was looking um, for, for people that can speak into me right. and into my right. context because I couldn't really relate to my suburban guys. I could relate to them a lot of theological stuff. Sure, sure. But when it came to... To, to my context and how we understand certain things and how to interpret that and to and to um, contextualize that I, I couldn't find so when I came across such art places started reading about them I was like wow these guys understand me sure this is the sure. first time that I actually get people to understand me so that's what we're trying to to bring across and not just to have them go through a two-year apprenticeship but to have lasting relationships after that right, right. And, and hopefully that some of these guys will be able to to, to be fit for an extra nine assessment uh, where, sure. where they go through the rigorous assessment and, and, and become extra nine churches. We were then so privileged to hear from Pastor Doug Logan from Camden, New Jersey, USA. Pastor Doug planted Epiphany Fellowship, founded On the Block Collective, and he serves as the president of Grimke Seminary. He spoke to us about the importance of coaching cohorts for church planters and pastors. Well, coaching cohorts are good and needful and beautiful. I think of Tyrannus Hall, in which Paul taught for about three years there in Ephesus. Mm. And I think Epaphras, who planted there in Colossae, was coming close to 100 miles to hear this teaching. So clearly, there was a need for um, for teaching, relationship. Um, The cohorts create relationship and a teaching module and a collaboration element right? right so in those cohorts they're going to meet lifelong friends they're going to learn lifelong lessons yeah and they're going to become lifelong partners and that's what's happening we have to take the individualism out of church planting yeah, cohorts so too well to do that so, good. so when we get together it can't be a come and get it's got to be come and get together mm, come on that's so not good. come and get and go but come get together and build so I'm praying that in those cohorts, man, um, that we get lifelong lessons like stuff. Listen, man, we church planners, we get arrogant, man. We, we think we we don't admit the stuff that we don't know. We hope mm-hmm. if we linger around the training long enough, right. they'll say it without us asking. <laughs> so we don't 
feel like so we can act like we already knew that. Right. So we do stuff like gestures. You know how we do us whack church planting Christians. You know how we do. We nod our heads to stuff that we don't know what we're talking about <laughs> as if we know. We lie. We lie a lot. That's yeah, all. We lie. Yeah. Um, and so in that, those teaching cohorts allow for you to have a safe place to tell the mm. truth and not know what you're talking about. So good. Um, and then have that met with um, with good leaders that become lifelong brothers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we're processing and learning not in a level of performance, but in a but in a level of um, practicality and practice. Yeah. That's that's a big difference when you can learn in a place where you can get it wrong without it be considered failure. Right. That's where you grow. If you learn in an environment where that's it's so all performance driven, yeah. then you're you'll fake it till you make it. Yeah. But if you learn in an environment where you can get stuff wrong, the church, yeah. then you'll take good gospel risk about questions, ideas, and things that you'll be met with a safe place yeah. to process those things and have them met with 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 gospel centered answers to what you think is gospel centered that might not be that's one and so those trainers will be lifelong mentors mm-hmm. you develop a heart for it and so then you don't you don't go you don't get it and leave but you get it and you come back and desire yeah. to be a trainer yeah. and you call back to one and and whoever, what up, you know, Pastor Robert all over there right. in Africa. And y'all want to start cohorts because you guys, people think Africa's the country. It's a continent yeah. that can fit like 20 countries in it. Yeah. And it's so vast and large. We need people to buy into our cohort system in the South African model that we hope s- sprouts across yeah. the country as we train people that invent, that like it, love it, and know that it's value and they want to do it. Mm. So there. And then we come and get, and then next thing you know, guys meet that maybe wouldn't have met. Right. Guys process some theology where they've been in camps and mad at each other, didn't even know it. Yeah. And then they talk through mm-hmm. it. Because it's easy to argue online yeah. about a theological position, but it's harder when I got my food <laughs> in front of me and I've been praying for you and hugging you and loving you. Sure. And now you're gonna cancel me? You sure. can't cancel me, Joker. I love you, yeah. you're my brother. Put your little cancel away. Yeah. I'll beat you up, I'll tackle you right here. I'll, I'll kiss you on the forehead and make you love me. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so we yeah. have to, so those real relationships are gonna debunk a lot of this cyber yeah. divorce. Yeah. Um. This so, cyber pastoral divorce. And then, man, when they begin to collabo, watch this. Maybe two of those guys in those cohorts need to merge churches. Sure, sure. Maybe there's another guy wanting to plant. And then there's like, I got this guy. Maybe they could do it together. Mm. So those collabos strengthen the the community where you guys are reaching. Right. They're in Southern Africa, South Africa specific. And then for the whole, the overall global network we built a relational connectivity that that now we operate out of relationship, not out of performance or yeah. just rallying numbers for the sake of acting like we're going to swag out. 
on Facebook about Acts 29 is this. Nah, Acts 29 is about seeing lost people saved yeah. and planting gospel-centered healthy churches that will go on multi-generations after everybody in Acts 29 is dead. There will be an Acts 29 that smells, has the eternal yeah. Yeah. aroma of Jesus in it. Yeah. And that's the goal. It's, and so these cohorts are important in this world of radical individualism. Mm. We're now going to hear some bonus never-heard-before material from Letabo Klulu. Letabo is the wife of our first guest on Season 2, Sikle. Letabo shares some great insights about planting a church in the middle of a pandemic and about what she believes God is at work doing in and through the church. My biggest learning about God and the church during um, this pandemic is that there's a time for everything every single thing there's a time for and he is in control of that and the church um, I think has really responded in such a way that is of great encouragement um, adapting quickly to the use of technology and adapting quite quickly to trying to figure out how to reach how to have close community and reach people while being so apart. I know that it's, um, it's, it's almost like a hashtag, together apart, and whether you believe it or not, that's kind of, um, it's, it's out there. But I think the church has really excelled in um, using the digital space to continue to um, usher a sense of community and having mentioned that we've got people from all over the country being a part of our studies and that is a real encouraging thing and to see how God can move using you know man-made ways of communicating you know Um, I think that also the busyness of the urban context has also been put under the spotlight and I do believe that God loves the city. He loves um, its people and how forward-thinking they can be. But there is a sense that he's still um, the main thing, still the main thing, and that is people. God loves people, and this major reset has been an eye-opener to me to see how people need the closeness of others, how people are searching and yearning for some sort of spirituality, and how the church is actually able to meet people where they are. Um, sometimes in ways that the church doesn't even know that they reach people, you know, through um, social media and um, I'm seeing people boosting or advertising their Christian content. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really incredible time um, to be alive, an incredible time to witness what God is doing, um, and especially um, just a, for me in my life, how much I need. And finally... We heard from Trevor Skeed, who took us through the importance of having strong secondary leaders around to support church planters, pastors, and leaders. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you can see, obviously, in general, in the Bible, that God has always used people in secondary places to accomplish His purposes. I mean, that's true even sure. in situations which are quite far removed from what we're talking about today which is you know the life of the local church right i mean if you look in the old testament you see guys like joseph or daniel who are raised up to places of power secondary positions of power 
Right, right. And God uses them in those places to, you know, to further His His purposes for His people. Right. Um, and so, so you know, as a general statement, um, God hasn't always worked through supportive or secondary leaders, mm. Mm. just as much as He'll work through um, first tier leaders if you if you are using a hierarchical kind of language. Right. Um, but I, you know, I think relative to our conversation, I think it is just it is the example of of Paul and the people he interacts with, and the way he interacts and values with with his the layers of people in his teams. And right. those teams have changed a little bit over the course of his mission journeys. Right. You know, yeah. And you see, I think the interesting thing when you look at that is you see um, you see different kinds of secondary leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the mix there, because you you see, you see guys like Barnabas and Silas, right? But then you see guys like Mark, who you mentioned earlier, right? Or Timothy, most particularly, where you see almost a different dynamic at play. Where Timothy, you definitely see this very strong um, mentorship, apprentice kind of relationship, and there's this very definite idea that his input into Timothy has a has a has a goal in the end where Timothy actually sure. is is actually stepping into a first, you know, right. equivalent of our modern day senior pastor position. And he's taking a real active leadership, leader leadership role right. in, in, in his local church context, you know, right. Um, which might be different to the way he interacts with Silas or, uh, you know, other, other people. So um, it was interesting. I'm trying to remember it actually, but that little book I mentioned um, earlier, uh, he, I think he spoke about two or three kind of almost, Different secondary leader um, ah. profiles in a way. And right. I mean, one is this, and I, if I look back on my journey over the last twenty years, particularly, I can actually see how I've sat in this second place, but with a different. There was a different dynamic. Right. So, if I remember my early days after Mission Bible College, um, where I got involved in a little church out in Stellenbosch, the the pastor there really. I think he saw me as a Timothy, and so the nature and nature of that of that relationship was one where I know I was a great support to him and an encouragement to him, right? And served the church, but it was very much from the place of being someone that he was investing in, right? Because right. he saw, I think he he identified a um a sense of call in me that he wanted to be a part of developing, right? So he gave me a really safe space to. To take first steps, to make mistakes, to grow. Sure. sure. Um, but I don't see it totally different to the way I see myself now, and that I know the Lord used me in right. His life and in this church, in the church and in His ministry. Not unlike in the way He's using me now, even in sure. our context. So, sure. um, and whereas I'd say, you know, to zoom forward. Uh, I don't necessarily know that Stephen would see me as a young Timothy. Right, right. Investing in for the sake of future ministry. And we have much more of a co-working, co-working relationship. So good. But, but that initial dynamic of the way I know the Lord used me to encourage and serve that past. I know he does that. Yeah, too. Right. Um, And so when you look at Paul and the examples of the people around him, you do see, I think these different kinds and different seasons mm. of second second layer leaders yes. um, 
which which are all important and all valid and maybe play out in different church contexts in different ways. Sure, sure. As I said on the previous episode, if you've heard something that stuck out to you, or perhaps you've heard something from one of the episodes that you missed, I'd encourage you to go back and to take a listen to the full episodes. There's really such a wealth of wisdom in these episodes. We covered robust residencies, churches in hard places, coaching cohorts, the church in the pandemic, and supportive and secondary leaders. Next month, we're going to be catching up with our, our network director, One Mokatle, as we look back over 2021, and then we look ahead to 2022, and we'll chat through Acts 29 Southern Africa's prayers, hopes, and dreams for the new year. I know I'm looking forward to it, and I pray that you are too. Thank you for your invaluable time and your humble willingness to engage with us. Remember that we drop a new episode on the last Wednesday of the month. Don't forget to rate and review us on whichever podcast platform you get your podcasts from. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That's Acts 29 Southern Africa. And you can check out our website, acts29.com slash network slash Southern Africa. Until next time, take care and be safe.